2: Jordan, now it shakes, Gray gets two! Gilmore on... Oh! Stop! Oh! oh brother. lead, Toledo, Ernest, you get 21! 4.28 to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry.
3: Hello, and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. I am Jason Mann, and with me as usual is Rich Kreich. Rich Kreich, you're back, great to be back with you.
2: Yes, very excited.
3: We are continuing our WrestleMania series. This time we are going to talk about the Boston Celtics playoff battles against Oscar Robertson and the Cincinnati Royals they've faced off uh, three times in four years in uh, 63, 64 and 66. Uh, the Celtics won each time, but a couple of those series were extremely close and uh, of course uh, one of the greats of the 1960s uh, Oscar Robertson um what you know uh, known for best known for having a triple double four season although those Curtis Harris of Probe's History points out he actually averaged a triple-double over the course of uh, five seasons, 30.3 points, 10.6 assists, 10.4 rebounds per game, mm-hmm. even with, of course, as we know, the, uh, the, the increased pace of
2: those at uh, times. Pretty good. No, that's yeah, that'll work, especially. Yeah, I mean, you, there are some obviously the issues with the pace and whatnot, but still, it's the other people played in the same league at the same time, and, and he did that. And yes. So that's what I always when people do bring that up, it's like, well, I mean, he he did it. And yeah, else, Like it's, it's, everybody else also had the fine. opportunity to do that, but he did it because he was great. So, and yes. uh, we'll get into it in a little bit too in terms of like um, the stats he had when he retired are just, uh, just mind blowing of how good he was. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah. And I, of course, you know, the um, Oscar's been in the news lately uh, or a few months ago for um, saying a little bit disparaging things about uh, Steph Curry or the idea that, um, <laughs> you know, Steph wouldn't have been a year, you, you know, that it's not really that big of a deal what he's doing. And, you know, he would have done it if they were just playing defense and stuff. And I, I think we can agree that he's wrong <laughs> about that. I also, you know, Oscar was not always treated uh, the best um, by, uh, you know, by the media of the time. He, you know, um, maybe doesn't always get his due beyond the triple double stuff. Just so I, 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 I think some of his grumpiness is, Understandable. I don't agree with, you know, the specific things that he's saying, but, um, but I, you know, I, I'm willing to begrudge him a little, you know, I'm willing to kind of let a little of that slide just because, mm-hmm. you know, once he was, he was just tremendously awesome during his career, Absolutely. both on the court and, um. And uh, in, in his uh, advocacy for players' rights, eventually um, allowing free agency and you know things. So I, I think that uh, Oscar has done far more good than uh, than than bad in uh, in terms of
2: uh, you know his basketball and uh, social life. It's going to become to a point where everybody that we do a podcast with will say they're in the news recently for complaining about the modern <laughs> game. Like it's just going to become <laughs> a thing. We're like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, uh, like Jax Wyman, yeah, you know, he just like, <laughs> <laughs> like just recently like like somebody his son got really mad and said, oh my dad you know like it, it's just it's it's never an extreme of like yeah just you can't get away from it I, I feel
3: whatever. like almost yeah I, I i just feel like we're it's almost like whenever they have those interviews with the old players it's almost like a um you know it's like baiting them a little bit it's like setting them oh, like because well, you know the
2: questions are like well what do you th-? like it, 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 yeah and like no. if they have an answer that's not like that then it probably doesn't come out but when they're like I don't think Steph. Curry, if there was hand checking, Steph Curry wouldn't score. And it's like, oh, right. see, like, look, Gary yeah. Payton doesn't think uh, Steph Curry is any good, or like, it's just, and they're always framed really terrible too. Like, yeah,
3: so sometimes the 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 little headline you'll get uh, that it's just a piece of what they said yeah, is right. not like, like the
2: recent Gary Payton thing is like Gary Payton doesn't think he was should be like unanimous or something like that. And people are like, oh, he thinks he sucks. And it's like, well, I don't think he said that. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Sad.
3: Yeah, I think he but, said that other people should have been unanimous first. Right, that kind of thing. But, but either way, you
2: know, so. Uh, but beyond that, we'll do a whole uh, episode on that. We'll do a whole. We'll, we'll break down this season in review of of old crudgy uh, players being mad about Steph Curry. So all right, be, well, that'll, that'll be coming long. up soon. Look for it. Uh, n- never, but it's fine. all right. Um,
3: anyway, so uh, he was the first to average double digit assists in a season. Uh, destroyed basically every assist record. Uh, he also rebounded like a big man and scored incredibly efficiently. Uh, the only uh, guard in the NBA to lead in points per game in a season between fifty and sixty seven. And, um, and, and also, um, Curtis listed where he ranks among where he ranked among, um,
2: all guards in the NBA when he retired 1974, yeah,
3: it, both, it, both overall and among
2: guards. Yeah. It, it's pretty insane. Like, like I meant, we alluded to a little bit earlier. It's like when he retired, I mean, that guy was on top of the world statistically in a lot of ways for, for guards, you know, player efficiency rating, uh, fifth overall, uh, first among guards. True shooting percentage, second uh, overall, first among guards. Points per game, second overall, uh, overall uh, second, um, or seventh overall, second among guards. Assists per game, first overall, first among guards, of course. Uh, rebounds per game, 72nd overall and third among guards. The 72nd overall is definitely, especially for that era, which is so dependent on big men, to have him be, you know, 72nd is, is crazy. Win shares, second overall, first among guards. Total points, second overall, first among guards. Total assists, first overall by way, way huge margin. Uh, first among guards and then total rebounds, uh, 19th overall, first among guards. So in review, he was first amongst guards in PR, true shooting, assist per game, win shares, total points, total assists and total rebounds. So, yeah, yeah, basically the best guard ever when he retired.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in that conversation still for today, you know, in, in, in that in that top five or six, you know, best guards ever, I would say so. Um, also was the nineteen sixty-four MVP, the only player other than Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain to win that award between nineteen sixty and sixty-eight. Uh, he was nine times all NBA first team, two times on the second team, and finished top in win chairs for 48 for eight straight seasons, top four for for that in eight straight seasons. Um and uh The Royals themselves, they kind of plagued by mismanagement and uh, ownership troubles. They had a lot of um, instability in their ownership, Uh, despite, you know, they had pretty good talent, especially in Oscar's early years. Um, Along with Oscar, they also had uh, Jack Twyman. They would later have Jerry Lucas. They had uh, Bob Boozer for a while. So so some solid players, but um, never really could get... Uh, and also they were battling the Celtics all that time. And, and the, uh, and the, the Warriors and the Sixers as well during some of those times, Wilt's teams, So yeah, it was obviously a tough road to get through. They were pretty good from 62 to 66, especially in the 64 season. After that, they, they started to fall off. Um, and then Oscar went to the bucks and, and did pretty well there. Um, Oscar and Russell, their relationship, they were regarded as friends. Uh, not a whole lot of details that I could find. One that was notable is that uh, from Oscar's book, The Big O, uh, Russell and the other Celtics would come to his house and his wife, Yvonne, would uh, cook a big dinner for them. So that goes along with a lot of the social aspects that we've talked about, about uh, players during this time, yeah. particularly you know black players, Um who, of course, were you know um, uh, dealt with segregation, racism, and all, all that stuff, and you know would would be bond together because they, in many uh, situations, didn't really have anyone else to bond with, unfortunately. Right. So,
2: and another one of the weird like things where people are like, oh, back in the day, the players weren't friends with one another. It's like That's not right. Right. yes, like, exactly. they yes. were, exactly, absolutely like right, yes, <laughs> they were very good friends with one another. They just yes. competed yeah. on the court like they always That's, do. Right, yeah. <laughs>
3: I mean, there were certain. I mean, there were there were certain people who were like, you no, know, don't socialize with other people outside of it. But yeah, that, that's for the most
2: part. I think the idea that that didn't happen widely is right, you know, and particularly like you mentioned yeah. with with the the African American players had because it was just like, well, geez, like you know, especially we're talking about this time, it's not exactly an easy way for them to you know either. I mean, they they needed this sort of outlet um, to to hang out with their fellow players and do all that sort of stuff because I'm sure they were. I mean, of course, we know that they were still going through tons of. of of issues outside of the court with, because of their color. So it was nice to sort of have a friend and, and, and a, a confidant, you know, that you could go to and, and hang out with and do all that sort of stuff. So,
3: yeah. And mentor, you know, uh, sure. you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Just somebody who could you know, help you just deal with all the stuff they had to deal with as an NBA player. Um, and um, and Oscar was the only person that Bill Russell told that he was retiring beforehand. Uh, late in the '69 uh, season, before he he didn't even announce his retirement until kind of later into the end uh, of the summer. Did that sort of publicly? I think we're gonna talk about that a little bit. Um, uh, in, in one of our later shows. But um, but anyway, yeah, Oscar was the only person who knew for sure ahead of time that Russell was going to uh, retire. He, they talked about it after one of the games, last games they played uh, together. Um, and in 1964, uh, Russell and uh, Robertson were among a United States All-Star team that toured uh, Yugoslavia, Croatia, Poland, Romania, and Egypt. It was coached by Auerbach and included were Bob Cousy, who was right after he had retired, Um Tom Gola, Tom Heinsohn, Casey Jones, um, Jerry Lucas, and Bob Pettit. It was rare, especially this time, for a U.S. team to tour behind the <laughs> iron, iron Curtain. Um And there's a the interesting thing from there is that Oscar um, made a joke to Red about how the Celtics wouldn't be anything uh without Russell, uh, which he, he said in front of Cousy. And then Oscar in his book later implied that was perhaps a reason why Cousy and him didn't particularly get along when Cousy would coach the Royals later on in the uh, 60s. Perhaps that Cousy had been offended by that remark. I mean, he's not
2: wrong. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know. But okay. Yes. Um, I mean, Bob, yeah, well, I we don't... Cousy knows that too, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, we don't know if Oscar, if that's really what Kuzi thought. Yeah, right, right. right. Um, but, it, you know, it was sort of interesting to see that observation. And, and <laughs> that, yeah, that was... um, um it, That must have been... An, I, I haven't... I, I've, I've seen a little bit uh, written about that uh, tour, but that's sort of an interesting kind of group of guys, m- mostly, you know, Celtics and um, old, you know, uh, Warriors. Uh, I mean, kind of, yeah, kind of a random assortment of NBA guys, mostly Celtics, obviously. So, um. But yeah, uh, so so they, their their first battle was in uh, 1963. Uh, it was a seven game series. The Celtics winning four to three. This was the Royals' first year in yeah. the uh, Eastern Division. The the Warriors uh, had moved to to San Francisco, so they were out west, and um, so Cincinnati with Oscar moved to the East. Um, the uh, Celtics were 58 and 22. The Royals were 42 and uh, 38. And uh, so, how did they get there?
2: Uh the playoff path for the Royals, uh they upset the forty eight win Syracuse Nationals in the first round. They won three uh three two that series. Uh, game five saw Cincinnati win 131-127, uh, to 127. so of course, as we mentioned, of course, the increased pace of this league, so you get high, high scores like that, which, of course, you know. Uh, Oscar, he scored 32 in this one, uh, and this was the first time that the Cincinnati Royals who advanced uh, to the division final since 1952, um, and then a little bit of background, uh, following the season of the Nationals, uh, they relocated to Philadelphia, and they became the 76ers, uh, and they were filling the void left by the Warriors, who moved to the Bay Area, which is, of course, the reason why the Cincinnati Royals were in the Eastern Division, so a lot of fun little uh, stuff there. Yeah. A lot well, the Celtics, of yeah, the Celtics path. Ah, nah, it wasn't very interesting. They got to buy in the first round because they were good. So yeah, <laughs> like, the, they won fifty eight, so they didn't have to play in the first round. And,
3: and the Royals had originated in Rochester, uh, New York. So right, they, right. from the uh, you know from the beginning of the uh, of the. You know, from the mid 40s through the uh, through the I think 57, 58 was when they moved to Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, and they had really they they were kind of a powerhouse in the late 40s and early 50s. But obviously, as you mentioned, they had a lot of futility up until um, up until the season.
2: Yeah. Uh, Key Celtics in the series. uh, Bill Russell, of course, with the series with the Royals and the Celtics. uh, Bill Russell, he was the NBA MVP that year. Uh, in the series, he averaged uh, 16.8 points per game and 23.6 rebounds per game. Uh, Sam Jones, 19.7 points per game for himself. And then Tommy Heinsohn, uh, 18.9 points per game and 7.5 rebounds per game. So uh, th- th- kind of a common, yeah, you know, <laughs> those, are your, those are your key Celtics. I mean, you got a few guys here and there, but yeah, th- those are you know, the key cogs there. Uh, as far as Cincinnati, um, Oscar Robinson, of course, uh, he was all NBA first team this year. Averaged 28.3 points per game in the series, uh, 10.4 rebounds per game. Uh, and 9.5 assists per game. Uh, And then Jack Twyman, he averaged uh, 19.8 points per game in the regular season, then he exploded for uh, 25.2 in the first round of playoffs, but then against the Celtics, so the first round against the Nationals. Uh, Then again with the Celtics, he he kind of fell back to reality, uh, and he only averaged 17.6 per game in that series. So um, he had a big first round, but yeah, couldn't follow it up, uh, unfortunately, against the Celtics.
3: Yeah. And other guys who were kind of part of the Royals during that time were, uh, Wayne Embry, who was a really strong, uh, rebounder, big man. Um, he would later be, uh, part of the Celtics, uh, it's kind of at the end of his career at the, uh, the last couple years, uh, of the Celtics, he would win rings there. And then he would later be a, um, a really a groundbreaking, uh, African-American, uh, GM for the uh, Bucks and later the, um, and later the Cavs. And, um, they also had Bob Boozer, who was a really uh, good uh, rebounding forward, who would later play for the Lakers, and Tom Hawkins, who um, also would uh, I think had, would had come from the Lakers and then would later play for the uh, Lakers again. Those are kind of the uh, main guys, uh, and Bucky Buckhorn would be the uh, other uh, standout <laughs> guy. Um, I don't know much about Bucky Buckhorn. Uh, so he's got a great stuff. name. That's all. Yeah, Bucky or Bucky
2: Buckhorn. Oh, so oh. It's still still good. good. It's still good. Yeah. It's still fine. Still fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so as far as the series, uh, key games, Game 1. Cincinnati made a statement. They got a Game 1 win, 135-132. Oscar exploded. He had a game-high 43. Uh, Wayne Embry, who you mentioned, and Jack Twyman, uh, they added 22 and 20, respectively there um things got a little bit weird <laughs> the royals uh they were forced to play games four and six in a smaller arena because the circus was in town and uh apparently nobody had told management that the circus was going to be there so uh that was yeah that,
3: that was during <laughs> kind of like the the weird ownership type thing yeah. and, and, and from the big oh sorry yeah and basically uh he described it as the team walked onto the cincinnati gardens for practice and then suddenly they saw that the uh the floor was covered with sawdust and hay, and we had to step over giant piles of elephant shit. So not great, not, not so fun. <laughs> not great. Um, just another kind of yeah. I think sort of shows the, uh, the kind of the bush league of the NBA at the time, and also in particular, not yes, things Cincinnati not not
2: that was... great in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, especially at the Big O. I remember reading that a few years ago, and it's just like uh, every like there, there's just full chapters devoted to how terrible this organization was ran, and just it's just unbelievable. Uh, game five. Uh, Boston takes a 3-2 lead. They win by 5, thanks to uh, 34 from Heinsohn and 24 from Russell. Uh, Robertson, of course, has a great game. He has a game-high 36 there. Uh, and then Game 6, Cincinnati stays off elimination with a 10-point win, 109.99. Um, and the score played more to kind of Cincinnati's pace and style, because, of course, knowing, you, you know, listen to this podcast, you probably are aware of this at this point, but the Celtics like to run, and they like to score a lot, and they like to, you know, play fast pace. Cincinnati likes to slow it down a little bit, and this was their game. 109.99 is much more their pace as opposed to the other ones. Uh, which you'll see in the final game in the series, Boston dominated. They scored 142 uh, to win the championship. 142, 131. Oscar he had 43. Um, the next best total was uh, 19 by Adrian Smith, who was a lesser used player at that time. Uh, yeah. On the Celtics side, Sam Jones he exploded for 47 in this game. Uh, and then yeah, Ro- Robertson uh, he said later, I, I believe um, was this, uh, was this from the Big O or was this yes, just from a newspaper? It was from the Big o. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. It-, it was almost as if they couldn't go forward and play aggressively against the green and white Celtics uniforms. So it's just, it's it, seeing those uniforms, it just, they were done, you know, Right, and especially in that big of a game and that series, you know, a series clinching game, it's like, uh, eh, it's a Celtics, yeah. man. Like it's going to be hard.
3: Yeah. One thing that Oscar was not afraid to do was kind of throw his teammates a little bit under the bus <laughs> and uh, about how like they, you know, um and he was also kind of like a hard guy to play with in general. I mean, he's obviously incredibly talented and incredibly gifted, but He was really hard and grading on his teammates. A lot of teammates reported that. It sort of reminds me of Chris Paul, um, where he's just sort of such a demanding guy who just expects perfection out of everybody and expects everyone to kind of play to his level. And obviously, very few people have that the level of talent that he has. And it was just kind of a frustrating thing for him to um, to kind of go. And it would, you know, lead to people people respected him, but people just didn't always enjoy playing with him. Um, so next we have the uh, the 1964 Easter Division Finals. Um, the uh, the Celtics won this one four games to one. Uh, the uh, the Royals were 55 and 25, so really good regular season. There was under their first year coach uh, Jack McMahon, who had uh, come from the Chicago Zephyrs. He also was a player in the uh, the the first uh, Hawks Celtics series where the uh, Celtics won the championship 57, and um, Boston was 59 21. Uh, for the, uh, the playoff path, the, uh, the Royals had, um, d- had taken to, uh, were taken to five games by the 34 win uh, 76ers who of course had been the nationals so they had upset the previous year. Uh, this was pre well, well, would not come until 65. So, um, a, a lesser team, obviously sort of a team in transition and Boston got a buy in uh, the uh, first round. So, um, what were, uh, who were the standouts for the Celtics and the, uh, and the Royals this, this year?
2: Yeah, the Celtics, uh, they were kind of your your, your prototypical Celtics team uh, in a lot of ways. You know, Bill Russell, uh, 15 points uh, per game, 20, uh, 24.7 rebounds per game, Sam Jones, 19.5 points per game, uh, then John Havlicek, uh, 19.9 points per game. Uh, as, as I mentioned, they were kind of your prototypical Celtics team. They were first in SRS, first in pace, first in defensive rating, and ninth in offensive rating. So pretty much, yeah, exactly what you would expect uh, a Celtics team of this time uh, to be. So uh, as far as the... Um, the Royals, uh, they had the NBA's best offense uh, that year, 98.9 points per 100 possessions. Uh, they led the league in points per game as well, uh, at 114.7. Uh, They're way, way more high power than they were the previous year, and a lot of that is because of Jerry Lucas, uh, the, rookie, uh, the performance of, of him. Uh, Oscar Everton, he was also, you know, not to be outdone, he was the NBA's MVP that year. Uh, 31 points per game, 9.9 rebounds per game, and a league leading 11 pers- uh, uh, assists per game. I thought this was kind of crazy too—16.2 offensive win shares in one single season, which is uh not wow. bad if you uh, no. <laughs> follow that stat at all. That is pretty good. Yeah, uh, Jerry Lucas, of course, I mentioned rookie season, very good as well—17.7 points per game, uh, 17.4 rebounds per game, and then Wayne Embry, uh, 17.3 points per game and 11.6 rebounds per game. So those are your key, uh, to an extent. You said as you mentioned, you mentioned his name a little bit earlier, but the Royals—they had traded uh, Babuzer away. Uh, for as you put it, a mediocre white player, uh, Larry Silverman, both uh, Robertson and Russell decided uh, decreed this is yet another example of quotas. Uh, Russell later said the Royals could have beaten us, but in my opinion, they virtually gave away Bob, uh, they they, give, they virtually gave away to get down to their black quota, and they gave us a championship in the bargain. So, yep, <laughs> not, yeah, not, not to be outdone. I mean, uh, it, it's a very odd trade because Babouzer was good and Larry Silverman yeah. was not. So it's right. like, yeah. what was the plan there? Yeah, they're
3: not, not a great one. So, um, yeah. So this is I, yeah. This was kind of like right at this might have been the best Celtics team. I mean, they, they were really stacked here. This is sort of right at the end for Ramsey and Luskadoff and Clyde levellet who had come around, and uh, and Havlicek was twenty three, uh, Russell was twenty nine, Sam Jones was thirty. So so they're, th- those guys are getting up there, but they're still you know fairly young. Satch Sanders is twenty five, so it, it's kind of right at the. At the time where they're kind of getting that, you know, injection of youth, but their main players are still, you know, 29 or 30. They're, they're you know, so close enough to their prime where, you know, everyone's kind of the, the timing was kind of right for them to sort of be like right at, you know, uh, r- right at their peak. Sure. And this would be, I, I believe what no, they had one more year after this where they would win the division. And then after that, they were they, they did not win the division again. Mm-hmm. So, um. Yeah, so in uh, in Game 1, uh, Boston pretty much dominated 103-87. Uh, Oscar only had 20. Lucas only had 11. Uh, Sam Jones and Hines, Hines both had 20+. plus. Uh, Russell shut down Lucas in particular, holding him to single-digit rebounds and four field goals in the first game in Boston. Uh, next Game 4, the, since he was down uh, 3-0, but they finally uh, do win uh, thanks to uh, – Big games from Robertson and Twyman with 33 and 31 points. Uh, Russell had only 9.7 of which came from the uh, free throw line. And the uh, final game, Lucas was a complete non-factor with six points. Uh, Oscar had a game high 24, but the uh, Celtics just had, you know, they were really well-rounded, had too much. Jones at 23, Russell at 20, Heinson at 19, and Havlicek had 13, which of course, you know, was a was kind of a usual thing for the uh, Celtics. They just were um, a team that uh, uh, was was hard to deal with, so... Uh, well, one thing I want to bring up is that I mean, Twyman's definitely a guy who's been a little bit forgotten, but you know, he was a six-time All-Star. I mean, he was a really good uh, running mate for um, Oscar. I, I, I believe that he and Oscar are one of the very few tandems to um, both average um, thirty points in a season, which you know is obviously uh, is obviously pretty incredible. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, they both are, or they may have been. Um, they were at least both like among the highest scoring tandems of all time. Um, cause actually, I think the year that he scored thirty, uh, Oscar was not quite on the team yet. Mm-hmm. But it's, it still was a. Um, you know, he he was kind of a supporting guy. And he's also very well known for um, uh, being after uh, Marie Stokes had a. Um, he was he. Uh, was injured during a game and then later flew and then developed a um, went into a coma and developed a, a paralysis and um, unable to speak and then he basically took care of Murray Stokes for the next you know decade of his life until he died in 1970 and even though they w- weren't particularly close as teammates he kind of took that responsibility and, and there there have been a lot of great things written about that if, if people aren't familiar with that story but he just seems like a definitely a guy who doesn't get much um, isn't really that um, you know, talked about that much, but he's definitely a guy who is uh, has a lot of interesting aspects of him. He's also a broadcaster um, in the uh, for a while in the '70s as well. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, definitely contributed to the NBA in a lot of ways.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great story if, if you haven't. I mean I feel most people have probably, probably you know but, probably know of it, but yeah, just uh, if if you don't, it it's it's incredible. It's a great yeah, great story. And
3: then there's a book on it which I haven't read um yet, but uh, that's uh that's, that's on my list. So he's he's definitely interesting. i it, it's definitely discussed in um in Oscar's book, so um as well as others. So um So now we are at 1966, where the uh, the the Celtics win um, three to two in the East uh, first round, the um, the 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 semis. Um, Boston is 54 and 26. Cincinnati is 43 and 35. Uh, Now Boston, this was uh, again the first year they did not win the division since the Russell Dynasty began. Um, Boston. defeated the Royals here. Then they beat Philly easily and went seven games with the Lakers, eventually winning the championship. This was red, Arbuck's uh final season. Uh, and Cincinnati had, um, they had, they had won the uh, opening round by, um, uh, they, they'd won the opening round. Oh, I'm sorry. They, this was the opening round. They lost to Boston in this opening round. So, um, I'm always used to it being the second run because Boston yeah, always goes right. further <laughs> than good. that. But yes, so uh, so who were the key players on uh, on each side for the yes, series? So
2: the Celtics uh, still seem like a broken record, but I uh, got Sam Jones at uh, he he definitely emerged this year 23.5 points per game so he emerges as definitely one of their top scorers or if not the top scorer on the team uh John Havlicek 18.8 points per game 6.0 rebounds per game for him uh Bill Russell you're starting to see a little bit of the slide from him I'm mean, but uh, I mean relatively so 29 uh, a 20, uh 12.9 points per game 22.8 rebounds per game so that's unfortunately a slide for Bill Russell which uh is not bad and then uh Larry Siegfried who uh emerging youngster even though he's you know 26 years old but hey that's that's fine but he doubled his yeah. point per game and minute per game output so he was Guy who I uh, started leaning on a little bit more heavily. Uh, Key Royals. I mean, who else? It's Oscar Robertson. He led the league in assists per game, 31.3 points per game, 11.1 assists per game, and 7.7 uh, rebounds per game. Uh, Jerry Lucas emerged a little bit more, uh, continuing to sort of his rise. Um, you know, now at, at age 25, now uh, 21.5 points per game and 21.1 rebounds per game. Uh, and interestingly enough, you look at that stat, and uh, he's the only player not named Wilt Chamberlain to have 21 plus in both categories in a season. So it's him and Wilt. Wow. That's that's
3: pretty impressive. He's obviously a Hall of Famer and, you know, uh, uh was a great player, but that's uh, uh that's pretty uh, uh that's pretty good.
2: Yeah, you don't you don't uh it doesn't seem like he's that you know I was kinda surprised when I looked at it too. I was like oh geez, like he's it. Like I kinda yeah. was like either you know, I, I at first I didn't know that he had that and then I was like Oh well then a bunch of people have had to probably have this, right? Oh, okay, no, it's just him and Wilt. So
3: Yeah. So Wilt has it a
2: bunch. Well has got it a lot. So I sure guess maybe sure, that but, clouds yeah. it but
3: hey. You know, it's um, it, it, yeah, that's uh, that's fun though. Yeah, he was a uh, he was kind of a character in. Um, he had that. Uh, uh, he famously could memorize just about everything. He had he had the um uh, the type of memory that photographic memory, um, where he could you know read a phone book and then remember the phone numbers and things like that. And he would always like kind of do these memory games. He was famous for that. And he was a little bit of a guy who um also was sort of thought of as a bit of a stat pattern like he would you know he would grab those rebounds any contested rebound would be you know he would he would get instead of his teammate, that kind of thing. Um, but then later, it was a pretty, you know, a, a good contributor for the uh, the Knicks toward the uh, at, at the uh, in, for their second championship in the last couple finals teams. So, um, you know, ended up being a good player, but was just sort of a, uh, a little bit of an odd character to um, to deal with. And for a while, had the reputation of being more of a stats guy than a winning guy. But, you know, managed to eventually, as most good players do, managed to eventually win. Um, so as far as the series goes, uh, game one, uh, since he actually uh, was surprisingly won game one, Adrian Sm- Smith ex- exploded for 26 points, who joined Oscar and Lucas, both having 20 plus. Now, Adrian Smith, this was actually his um, only all-star year. He, he spent most of his career with a Cincinnati, um, um, but he uh, was kind of the guy who... Um, uh, Oscar mentioned as far as like, oh, we had great shooters in my day. Adrian Smith, for example, you know. Now, Adrian Smith was not quite as good as Steph Curry, but he did, um... But, yeah, he was kind of, he was a, you know, a, uh... He was a pretty good shooter, and um, you know, again, kind of had the um, you know was kind of contributed a little bit to uh, this team, and you know, was a, a good secondary score and all that. Uh, they also had a Happy Hairston, who was um, part of the uh, Lakers' seventy-two uh, uh, record-breaking championship team as well, and you know, bounced around the NBA throughout these things. And they also had a very young John McLaughlin, who later was uh, a key player in the uh, in the great Bucks early seventies team. So they uh, they had some good contributions here and there not really hugely celebrated guys but you know it had a good um mix of guys although again this was kind of the last year for the royals to be relevant as uh, you know the more talented guys left and you know they weren't they weren't quite as strong um anyway game three since he went up uh 2-1 on the backs of uh, lucas and Oscar with 27 each and then game four uh boston blitzed to the royals at, 120-103, to 103, um, outscoring them in every quarter to tie the series. Uh, Sam Jones shook out of his funk to uh, score uh, 32 points. And the final game, uh, Cincinnati jumped out to a 31-26 lead in the first quarter, but uh, Boston uh, put it away in the second, uh, outscoring Cincinnati 35-25. Uh, Oscar had 37, but Lucas and Happy Hairston were the only Royals to be in double figures. Uh, Sam Jones, uh, had 34, Havelcheck at 23 and then five players. Other players were in double figures and Don Nelson had nine points. So again, a bounce effort from the uh, Celtics and, um, a little bit of a surprisingly tough battle for them, but, uh, they obviously managed to, uh, make it through. And, um, I believe every series they had, uh, in 66 went to the uh, distance. Cause I think the, uh, the, the conference or the division finals mm-hmm. went the distance and then the uh, finals that year, uh, went the distance. So, um, so a little bit of rough year for the uh, Celtics, but they managed to pull it out. yeah. <laughs> so first, this was the eighth and uh, final uh, win championship in that, uh, in that, in that championship streak. But, um, you know, oh, I'm sorry. No, the, the, I'm sorry. The series this year for the Sixers only won five games. So it did not go quite the distance, but, uh, either way, they still, uh, they managed to win their eighth in a row. Uh, Red Albrock managed to, um, go out uh, on top as a champion and, uh, you know, uh, still good times afterward, but the, but the end of a, uh, an aspect
2: of that era, I guess you could say. Absolutely. All right. Uh, anything else, Rich? Uh, nothing else. I mean, yeah, again, we sort of talked about it at the beginning, but I think the big part of this, um, and, and we don't really, you don't know, nearly need us to tell you this, but I mean, maybe we do is that Oscar Robinson was very good. <laughs> you should probably, uh, uh, appreciate him a little bit more. Cause I feel like, you know, there is an appreciation, but a lot of it is, oh, you average a triple double in a season. And it's like, yeah, that, that's, that's cool. But like he had a really, I mean. He, more than just that season, more than just that individual season. I mean, yeah. like we said, Curtis pointed out that in a five-year span, he averaged triple double, which is just insane. But just like to see how, um, just what he's able to do on individual game levels too. I think that's something that always amazed me, is like going and looking at the logs, uh, the game logs, and seeing the output that he would have in certain games, especially in big games. It's just incredible, and he's a guy that I've, um, in doing this, appreciated even a little bit more than I already did. Yeah.
3: I mean, he was definitely uh, a big game player. I mean, he was just such a, uh, you know, a force as, um, uh, yeah, as a, as a lead guard, uh, you know, was one of the first, uh, you know, really big passing and scoring guards, kind of a guy who could do both and also be, you know, he was, uh, pretty stout defender and, um, even though this team was not necessarily, probably he was a little bit weaker of the defensive end. But still, I mean, he was a a guy who just had um, incredible size and incredible speed and was not... He played a very kind of unflashy fundamental game, even though he had all the skills and he he could still beat guys off the dribble and stuff like that. But, um, he wasn't going around and dunking and wasn't like necessarily the stylistic pioneer that, um, you know, some of the other players were like an Elgin Baylor was with, you know, these incredibly fancy moves. I mean, Oscar was just more of a, um, you know, just doing the basic stuff and just, you know, would, um, just you know get to a spot and kill you from a spot and would do all you know all this kind of uh uh basic stuff and just but just do it so incredibly well that he would um you know was was incredibly effective absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for uh, checking us out. We have a couple more uh, WrestleMania episodes to uh, t- to get before we uh, move on to other things. But we uh, appreciate everyone uh, we- giving us feedback on, um, uh, on what we've been doing. We always appreciate that. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back NBA. Uh we are also on iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to uh, leave us a uh, rating and review, we would greatly appreciate that. It's always nice to uh, uh it helps other people find out about what we're doing and uh we, we like more people listening to what we're doing because we it satisfies as our egos and we we definitely have
2: giant egos. Oh, so come on, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um you have more people to interact with on Twitter, you know, more people find out about us, more people are interested in NBA history, more people to talk about on cause now, you know. The- yeah. Get sick of the same five people. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, we actually yeah. have a question. I feel like when we started, it was mostly like two people. Uh, it's growing a lot. I think there's there's like a solid rotation of guys now that we have. Yeah, uh, yeah. Th- that'll that'll interact with us about NBA history, which is awesome. Like, yeah,
3: it, it, we're it's kind nice. of just
2: shouting to ourselves for a while. But we're well, like-
3: I mean, I, I think yeah. I mean, we were we talking about. It's a niche. It's a niche. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a huge niche.
2: I mean, a a small niche is what I meant to say. Uh, But but no, it's it's growing. It's growing. So I like it. I I, yeah, I'm I'm happy with
3: our audience and um and and happy. uh, It's so nice to have people who you know appreciate what we're doing or you know or interested in engaging with us about NBA history. It's always fun. We like talking about it, obviously. So, um, so keep doing that. And uh, until next time, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon.